Friends, our second lesson is from the Apostle Paul's letter, second letter to Timothy. Timothy helped Paul early in his ministry as he went out and shared the gospel and began churches. And then by the time this is written, they have been separated because Paul has been imprisoned. And so this is 2 Timothy, the first chapter, verses 1 through 9, as Paul writes to Timothy. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, for the sake of the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my beloved child, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I am grateful to God whom I worship with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that lived first in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and now I am sure lives in you. For this reason, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is within you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of cowardice, but rather a spirit of power and of love and of self-discipline. Do not be ashamed, then, of the testimony about our Lord or me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel, relying on the power of God who saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to God's own purpose and grace. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And would you pray with me? Gracious God, we did not come this day to hear a human word. No, we came this day to hear only you and to have our faith rekindled. May it be so. Amen. Most seminaries, for their Master of Divinity program that you have to go through to be ordained, most of those programs are three years long, and in your first year, before you're ever allowed to take a preaching class, you have to first take a speech class, which makes sense. Yes, before you get to preaching, you learn the mechanics, really, of public speaking. And I, in my second year of seminary, taught that class. And there is a phenomenon that I saw over and over again that was really interesting in a lot of ways, and it was this. There was one group of these new students who would come to the pulpit, and they would suddenly find themselves feeling inadequate or scared. They could be perfectly fine public speakers, but the minute they were in that pulpit, suddenly they were timid and afraid. And then there was another group of those new students 
who came to the pulpit thinking that they had all the power and authority and nothing they did was wrong, and they were a whole different breed altogether. And I'll just let you guess what those gender categories were, how that, how that shook out. But for all of those in the first category who were intimidated by proclaiming the word of God, at some point in every class, I would have to pull them aside and say, listen to me, whether you are called to be a minister of word and sacrament or not, you are baptized. And in your baptism, hands were laid upon you. The sign of the cross was made on your forehead and you were given the spirit of God. And it's not a spirit of cowardice, as Timothy says, or the letter says, but it is rather a spirit of power. So whether you are ordained or not, you are given a spirit of power for the work of the church. And so we would go on with our class. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, and Paul's going to die very soon, and he knows that. And so he wants to give really what is his last testament in this letter. It makes sense that he would send it to Timothy, who he has cared so much for. And he wants to make sure that Timothy has what he needs, both to be a faithful Christian, but also to go about the work of building the church. And just like we tell those preachers who are afraid, we, he is reminding Timothy that all that he needed was given to him in his baptism and in the gift of the Holy Spirit. Paul comes to this letter and he wants to give this person that he loves every last good thought that he can because Paul knows he'll die. And so if you were to look at this section, there are really two areas that Paul wants to address. And the first is simply this. He reminds Timothy, look, you have been handed a model of faith. You were given a model of faith from those first disciples who at Pentecost received the spirit of God and went out to be God's people in the world. And Timothy, you were given a model of faith from your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice who brought you up in the faith, who handed it to you when you were just a child. And Paul says, I am your model of faith. You walked alongside me as we tried to build the church and you have this model of faith. Never forget it. Never forget who you are. And that you have been given the gift of the Spirit. The second thing Paul wants to give Timothy is the knowledge that there will be times when he will need to have that flame of the Holy Spirit rekindled within himself. Because of Pentecost, we all have the flame of the Holy Spirit within us. But you know and I know that there are ups and downs in this life of faith. And there are times when we have to work, put our time and attention into rekindling that faith. In some way, walking into this faith community every Sunday is a chance to rekindle the Holy Spirit in your life. And so he tells Timothy that you will need to rekindle that spirit. And I'm praying that it will happen 
Now, John Calvin said that there were two things that will quench the spirit more than anything else. One is the flesh. And what he means by that is our inherent sinfulness. The Holy Spirit within us can be dampened when we are led astray by sin, when we are more concerned about ourselves than anyone else. That kind of self-focus that sin brings into our lives, that can dampen the spirit. But Calvin also said the other thing that could dampen the spirit is the evil in the world. C.S. Lewis developed this further when he said, the most powerful thing evil can do is convince you that there is no evil, and even if there were, you'd have no power against it. That quenches the spirit when we realize that there is evil in the world and yet we discount it, or worse yet, when we say that there is evil in the world and we just have no power over it, there's nothing we can do. Let's just wash our hands of the difficulty of life and focus on ourselves. Those are the things that dim the spirit within us. And so Paul says to Timothy, Turn from those things. Remain rooted in the faith that has been handed to you and never forget that the spirit you have been given is a spirit of power. It is a spirit of love and self-discipline, but make no mistake, it is a spirit of power. Not your power, but the power of God working in our lives and enabling us to live out our calling as God's people in the world. You have that power. And so when we look at the world and we see its darkness, if you are like me, you didn't want to even read the news each day of this week, it seems like it's getting worse. And if that voice tells you there's nothing you can do, then say, get behind me, Satan, because you have the power of the Holy Spirit within you. And the thing I love about the diversity of the church that we see from Pentecost is that we don't all have to work for the salvation and goodness of the world in the same way. It is the church universal, the church all over the world that is called to live out God's purposes. And so maybe you'll live it out one way and maybe I'll work for the good of the world another. You don't have to solve everything, but you do have to live into the power that has been given to you in the Holy Spirit. And as for God's leading and guidance as we work to serve the world. That's the problem with those new pastors, right? They forget that God has given us a spirit of power. One of my favorite authors is Robert Caro. He has written all of those books about the presidency of Lyndon Johnson. And in a few interviews, people will ask him, why are you spending so much time on one president? And he says, I don't think it's about the president. I think it's really a study in power. It's a study of how one man who grew up with nothing accrued a lot of power and then how he used it in the world. And then Robert Caro goes on to say, you know, you hear all the time that power corrupts. 
You know what I think? I think actually power reveals. When people have power and you see the choices they make, it reveals who they really are. So friends, church, who have the very spirit of God within you, what do our choices tell the world about who Jesus Christ is? The power of the Holy Spirit within us with what we choose to do in our lives and in the church at large reveals to the world around us who we really are. And so we need to ask for the Holy Spirit's help to use the power of God always for the good of another, always to bring more love in the world, always to bring more care into the world. The choices that you make with the power that you have reveal who you are. May it show that you are truly a follower of Jesus Christ. You've been given that that power, that spirit of love and of self-discipline. And it is to be used always for God's purposes in God's world. Thanks be to God for that. And amen.